0: I was having dinner with a couple of important women in my life. It was a few months ago, and both of them had reviewed their most um, romantic, their most recent romantic forays or, yeah, trials, if you will, their most recent attempts at romance with, with particular one particular man per, per of them. And I don't think that I shared uh, a story in the course of that, you know, my most recent with a woman either. Uh, but, but so I listened to the two of them and there were some similar experiences between their experiences of the men that they were trying to, had been trying to, um, either either of those bring into their lives. And there was this theme of trying to avoid pain. And and mostly in their two stories, it had to do with the men in the stories not wanting to risk something um, about themselves, about the feelings of these women, and so after probably more than an hour of of discussions along the lines of their relationships and what was going on and, and what are men thinking, you know, I, I was trying to bring that aspect into the fore for them to hopefully be helpful. And, and so after, yeah, quite a bit of discussion like that, I... I finally said something to the effect of the only way to win this game of love is to risk being hurt. My name is Kerry and you're listening to From the Hip. quick apology to the listeners or the eventual listeners of this show or the aliens uh, who will find our recordings on satellites sometime millennia from now that the audio quality has probably been so terrible over previous episodes and that it might be terrible right now. It's the sort of thing that because I'm not a sound engineer and because my priority is getting these thoughts out there as if I were writing them on paper, etc, just just making sure they're recorded. Uh, it's not something that I'm gonna be putting major energy into anytime soon. And so I do try to start every episode off right and then I've, I'm finding that there's there's blips in between. So um, it's just a it's a it's a work in progress to do better, hopefully each episode. Also, without me listening to most of the episodes, that presents a challenge. The ones that I have listened to turn out to be rather the shorter episodes, and I'm mostly very pleased with them. Um, so anyway, thank you. Thank you for bearing with me if you are. And this episode is is about that, that opener there. I, I want to address... The propensity, you know, how, how our aversion of pain, our aversion of emotional risk, uh, and, and bigger things, financial risk, psychological risk, how our aversion of those things is playing into our basic potential for satisfaction in, in life, and how it's playing into our, our core institutions. Uh, the structure of our society and and really what I'm getting at there is its effect on marriage and so it, the, the simple beginning part is here it, it is not a lot more complicated than I said at the beginning in order to win at the game of love one must risk being hurt say it again the only way to win love is to risk hurt okay it's a simple it's a simple meta structural part of life that that people have to risk parts of themselves or themselves in order to gain new parts of themselves or better parts of themselves or gain others you know gain friends gain lovers gain followers maybe to gain leaders to gain Freedom, independence, etc. We have to shed other parts of ourselves, um, shed comforts. Let's say you know it's often that that, that uh, divergence between comfort and and independence. We have to you know give up um, our childhood in order to become adults. You know and that and that is a matter you know that parallels that that comfort independence uh, spectrum there, our relationship and. So when it comes to love, you might say that we have to risk heartbreak in order to gain love. the the deepest um, layers. Well, you know, all of them, all of them. Anything more than the most casual acquaintance or briefest acquaintance comes with uh, a lot of emotional risk, you know, potentially. Anyway, I guess it's not guaran. You know, it's not that like every relationship that you ever have, every every most casual friendship that you ever have is is going to drag you down when it's over. But but the the beginning of one, you know, could right? It's like it's like you went you went to college and you made a bunch of friends and many many of them stayed rather casual friends. You didn't you didn't do that because you were worried that one day, or pardon me, you didn't avoid doing that because one day you, kn- you knew that they were all going to die and you didn't want that to bother you. You didn't you didn't want to be sad about the death of 30 friends that you you made in college, so you just didn't make any, right? We we're not doing that. <laughs> very very few of us are doing that anyway, and that's a subject for another episode. <laughs> Uh, but just not an episode of this podcast yes, I think so no no we'll get to it but this is what so many people are trying to do when it comes to romantic love in fact there's there's a pushback against the idea of, of romance it's like no I'm not I'm not stupid enough to be an idealist about love and attachment uh, screw romance i'm I'm... Uh, I'm an enlightened, oh, how shall we put it, you know, enlightened, Taoist, polyamorous lover, because that's just, you know, that's just practical, like, that, you know, that fits our time, and it makes more sense for who we are as creatures. And, you know, the simple simple reply to that is, might be a great idea for a number of people, but it's also not even it's not even on the board for many 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 people to to be polyamorous and like the ideas that they're being kicked around there to justify you know uh, polyamory or I'll be more generous than than justify to, to to support polyamory they're not they're not even relevant for most people or or for many okay i'm gonna, i'll even aim it for half so it's like half of people let's just say might be might benefit from from trying to bring more than one person into their life in in a really intimate way the other half really for whatever reason are are gonna do well enough to stride it just to just to open up to one person could be many different reasons and, and so the part of the reason that I used that kind of mocking voice a moment ago is that I think a bit of what's going on is using that attitude it's not necessarily even always attached to polyamory I'm, I'm sorry if our listeners took any offense to the, that but i I'm trying to dig at this point that that there's a there's a kind of a cynicism and a fear at play okay there's there's different reasons that people are averse to to going headlong into this game of love that they really want to win. And one of those things is is cynicism, which is looking at the the landscape, which is, by the way, very much influenced and built by fear at this point, built on fear out of it. They're looking at that and going, well, that would just kind of be silly to to go through all of that effort and and pain and so therefore I'm just going to date people you know there's there's the idea of this serial dater guy who dates for three to six months and then just kind of says okay you know this is this is run its course um, or there's the open relationship thing where it just oh this is a phase of my life I can try this I I don't know and you know I can I can try this and there's that and then maybe maybe I'll find that, that it's what I need for the rest of my life and I I, I think that's not really going to be the case I think that a lot of people are going to try that in their 20s 30s and, and maybe early 40s and then decide that that's like then they're going to meet someone and go oh, yep this is what I want just you that's hardly touching on the risks so let's 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 get to what everyone's afraid of because that is the risk the risk is that you will get involved with someone who you could not see the second side of them coming and so maybe the instant that you've moved in with them or you're married to them uh, they're emotionally or physically abusing well that's a that's a pretty substantial risk i'm not i'm not going to begin to make light of that the answer to that concern is to sharpen your awareness of yourself and sharpen your attention for the details in people, in others, that is. And so that that's to become better. That's to become a better perceiver. Then there's the answer, the the, the fear of what if we don't grow together? I think this is a this is a my my imagination is that this is a pretty relevant concern for people who get married i'm i'm going to say even i'm going to go as far as saying that the concern is mostly within women here is that they, they'll get married around 22 or 24 and 20, or 26 even and uh, or, or or might be you know might get married around that age the concern for a lot of them would be if they've watched their friends or, or or think of women who have watched their friends get married at those ages, and now they themselves are 28, 30, 32, and they've watched their friends' husbands. Pardon me, I'm having to keep on pausing here as I get a little tickle in my throat. I'm coughing. So I was saying they, they uh, they've watched their friends' husbands fail to grow into the role of married man. So so these husbands were very good boyfriends at the age of 18, 20, 22. They were very nice. They were kind. They were caring and and they showed up for the most part as as emotionally present, let's say. But when the challenges of maintaining a a home that that, that there's a mortgage on between the two of them show up, when the challenges of always coming home to the same house show up, the challenges of a child show up and, and and the emotional and psychological changes that a woman goes through during those times, the young man is not is not prepared to adapt to and fails to adapt to. That that is I'm gonna guess is the simplest explanation for a lot of divorces. In, in especially in that age range. So let's say marriages that begin and end before age 30. I'm going to guess that's the simple explanation. I'm also going to guess that that a lot of marriages that end after that have to do with an emotional distance that, you know, there's there's fails, failures of communication, but I, I'm going to guess that there's a good amount of men failing to be emotionally observant, observant of the emotions of their wife, their spouse. Um, and we could get into why that occurs. But the, the point is that they that somebody is observing the, the breakdown of relationships, whether they be long time live in relationships, uh, may, maybe they're Um, long-time relationships, maybe that started at 17 and lasted to 21 or 22, they watch their friends just those end. They watch marriages come apart. And they don't know why, but one of the things that they know is that it's terrible. It sucks. It's, It's totally disruptive to your life to have a divorce. You know, you barely noticed. You barely noticed the changes to your life when you went from Living together for five years and then getting married, but man, the moment you pumped the brakes, shut the car off, you realized you know, it just totally changes everything about your life. Is that you're going to go through a a um, financial restructuring, and it, and even if you get along well, it might be it might be strenuous. In a lot of cases, then we're going to have uh, some sort of struggle over the child custody. And it's just it's just terrible. Anybody who's watched anybody go through a divorce knows this. And even even if you haven't, you know, because there was a there was a I didn't I didn't have a f- kind of a front row seat to anybody's divorce until I was about 28. And and at that point you know that that was terrible but it wasn't like i didn't know that half of everybody got divorced it wasn't like you know i didn't have schoolmates as, as a child whose parents were divorced or or got divorced or got remarried while we were young and and in school and seeing each other every day and at those points in in life you know we didn't we didn't share much of that but but uh we know we, we, we pick up from cultural pieces and from adult conversations that it's, it's no good. And so there's this fear. I see, I see this reluctance in people who have never been married and who have been divorced to get married again to people that they love deeply. People that they have children with, for example and I guess I guess for for the listeners who who don't know my my position on marriage as an official linkage of people, uh, I might be getting ahead of us here. I wanna just for the moment, just say that I think it's important. I think it was created for a reason that has less to do with how we conceptualize it as a as a religious uh, institution at this you know we're we're still even though you you might go to just the courthouse to do it or your your friend might officiate your wedding it's still largely linked to to ideas about patriarchy and to religion so you know and those are fair I still think it's important because I think it runs deeper than that. It runs across cultures, you know, including cultures that were matriarchal or that are matriarchal uh, or that were just more balanced. And so I think it's important. It's not to be thrown out with the bathwater just because we have... I guess what I'm trying to get at is that is that the idea of marriage, the idea of commitment and the idea of true love Are all being challenged on um, some of them unspoken levels, some of them on spoken levels, some of them on uh, subconscious levels. They're they're being challenged, and 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 maybe as much as in absurd ways. I'm not saying that there's no valid points being made. I'm just saying that what's some of what's passing for valid is not and. A lot of what's passing is not an argument at all. It's a feeling. It's a fear. It's a fear that it will go wrong. And so I think that in you, know, you use marriage as an example. Uh, so I, I wanted to start there as this more sort of concrete thing, marriage. I know it's I know it's more of a concept, right? You know, we, we talk about a contract, but it's a, it's a thing. You know, people go and do it. Marriage. It's an event and it's a structure. Even if it's abstract, it's, it's way more structural than the next component I'm going to discuss. People fear getting married because they basically are including divorce as part of marriage. With a, with a divorce rate of 50%, that is, that's not just a chance, that's, that's a probability. That's a likelihood that you'll get divorced, you, that, that in the, the middle of your life, you will have to burn off a bunch of yourself. You'll have to go through, you know, potentially excruciating ways of, of rearranging your life. And, you know, so we're including that. Well, I don't want to get married again. It's like, okay. Does, does the marriage that you had have anything to do with the marriage that you might have? Simple answer to that is if it does. Then the problem is not marriage. It's you. The work the work that needs to be done is on yourself. Now I'm not trying to 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 preach within this episode that people should get married. I I think that they to. I think that if I'm speaking to you over the last several minutes, if you're one of these people who is not is saying that, I don't want to get married again. I don't want to be married for some of the reasons that I've brushed upon here. I am speaking to you to challenge that, to find out where that's coming from, from within you. Because marriage is not your problem. How you commit to someone, how you open yourself to someone, how you commit to them committing to you, all that, all that crap, that's, that's yours. It has, it has nothing to do with marriage. It has nothing to do with your hatred of the patriarchy okay your hatred of the patriarchy is creating <laughs> you know that 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 uh, rebellion against against you getting married and 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 your your hatred of the patriarchy might have more to do with your with your you know dismissal of marriage than it does with what marriage really is that's and that and what marriage really is is for another episode my point is to drive at the risk-reward here, okay? We can concretize it somewhat, which is that the risk is, the risk of marriage is that is that you will end up being with someone, you'll be married to someone that you really can't be with. And, and that, that will feel bad. You'll feel like an idiot. And then and the only way to, to reconcile that is to restructure your life majorly and then and you'll probably have to lose a bunch of stuff to do that. Okay, that's risk. What's the reward? And and so to be to be really fair here, I I I want to keep in mind that that maybe the reward is just not much. That that that's a that's a that's a considerable problem could be is if is if um most people's perspective or you know, if if an individual's perspective is that be like gain nothing from marrying a person because you could just live together. If that's your perspective, then then there there is no upside versus that risk. I don't think that that's a I don't think that that's a good assessment of of the value of marriage, but that I just I do want to air that out as a as a perspective that's out there. And and so if that's your perspective, then then yeah, maybe there's not very much upside at all to being married when I talk about married, I'm I'm really talking about the commitment, not so much uh, not so much the contract, not so much the the fact that that you think you're tied to someone, they think they're tied to you and that everybody else views you that same way. I'm talking about the commitment. And and so, you know, to to say that there's no value in marriage is basically to say that there's no value in the commitment. And I, I would I would challenge that. But here we are, we have so many people who say, ah, I don't know, I'm not going to get married again. You know, if it's turned your life upside down two or three times, let's say, you've been divorced three times, I can see those people, I can see many of those people just not being able to reconcile what they've been through uh, with with the potentiality of going through it again. It's just, there is, the, the, that's a harder sell, I understand that but we're trying to remove okay so in the process of avoiding that marriage we're trying to have to remove the risk of of the downside so basically we move in with someone instead and and try to have all the upside of a mature committed relationship but without the commitment if it's over you you know you move out it's it's painful you don't it's still painful, but you just move out. One of you moves out um, and instead, you know, if, if there's a child involved, you just have a custody issue to solve rather than having a, a financial parting of ways to solve. Uh, there's less There's less going on there. There's less risk. So I guess the part to strike at, as I close in here on this example of marriage, is that we're, we're making the wrong assumption. If we're assuming that we um, can have all the benefits of of a secure relationship by um, avoiding the downside of marriage, yeah, yeah, I think we're fooling ourselves. Reason being that we are not paying attention to the qualitative difference in the benefit, and so... Uh, now it's time for me to uh, take a coffee break and come back with the plainer point about how we actually solve the how how we win the love game. Okay, so it's way more drawn out example than I would have intended, and but we're gonna come back and and leave it more in the in the abstract, the more abstract, and discuss love and how and why we're missing out on it. So, as I said, the more raw level of love as the reward, as intimacy um, and cherish, cherishedness, cherishment, Mm, help me out here. That's the reward. And the risk is that it doesn't work. That you're not loved back. The risk is that it ends anyway. The movie La La Land presents a pretty good uh, picture here where the main characters fall in love. and And that's that. And it's entirely separate from the fact that they're already in love with their work. And they for whatever reason just decide that they can't compromise on you know they can't compromise their careers um, or maybe maybe there's something in that movie I haven't caught on to but the point is that the film celebrates this idea that there are a lot of people or at least a few people in the world that, you can love there are many fewer whom you can build a life with and you know the film just kind of says was it so bad was was breaking up so bad this far from the theme of the movie but maybe you know the, the movie has a lot more to do with is failure so bad is rejection so bad in light of the fact of how good it was in the, in the meantime how good it was when you had it. How good it was when your career finally came together. Finally you hit the big one. That, that, I think La La Land kind of offers that up. You see that in that end sequence where she's married and she has a very notable career. And that uh, she goes into the nightclub and sees that it's packed and that there's a dedicated audience, and that there's this guy who is still playing his heart out and uh, cherishing what he had. Let's just say, call it five, call it ten years ago. He's celebrating that love. La La Land offers us that, that the love you have and lose is still worth it, or that the losses that you will have to go through on the way to finding something that really lasts and, and, and maybe 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 it's not even that that you will find is that you will find that truth on maybe that's on the other side of what i've been saying you know i've been challenged challenging polyamory maybe the challenges of of someone's path of monogamy will will lead them to the truth that's farther away from me or maybe that i'm not going to touch but that really bring someone's life together someone else's life maybe that's part of the challenges that that somebody has to go through to find that side and and loss law what i'm saying is that loss is a challenge you know on, on a let's say through monogamy attempts at monogamy will will get them out there but the idea is that it's worth it the pursuit is worth it the risk is worth it and and so the reason for this episode is that I see the, the parallel of fearing marriage because of divorce, I think I see it playing into the more raw level, which is reversing the scenario, which is trying to look for a love that doesn't put you at risk, trying to look for... Love with a partner who, with whom you feel no risk. You know, with whom you feel unquestionably safe. Who wouldn't like to feel unquestionably safe? But, right? There's that. But why? Uh, that, that, I mean, that on its own. Okay, that's good. I guess I'm looking at a bigger picture than that specific uh, phrase. Which is that I want to be with somebody who's not going to hurt me. And I think that that's a that's a really upside down way of of trying to pursue uh, meaning. It's just it's anti-intuitive to me. You know, it's this bleed down of the boomer generations. You know, having been coaxed, you know, coaxed into this life where they seek financial security above all things. Basically, it's like you know we come down to. To Gen X, Gen Z, a little bit, you know, a little bit of Y in there, or pardon me, Gen Y Z, and a little bit of X in there, where we're like, God, you know, this safety mindset, this security comfort mindset, is overwhelming my desire to come into meaning, you know, to to uh, commune with God, if you will. That's that's not, I think that. The, that you know we we come up against that us younger folk come up against the security side of it but we but that security has been passed down to us that desire for security um, has been passed down to us in the form of security in relationship but not in a healthy way so what I'm getting at is like so I see people going no I don't want to get into this relationship because we're such good friends and I don't I don't want to risk our friendship like on the one hand I think in many occasions that's probably got to be a made-up thing uh also though it's in many 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 more occasions probably it's uh the situation you know because the situation is about mm, an, an over comfort with what is and there's not an energetic flow right so it's a thing. That's kind of a, a big tangent here from where we need to be. There's there's other explanation. You know, there's other versions, which is, well, this, you know, you live 100 miles away. And I don't want to pursue this really intriguing potential that I see because you live that far away from me. And that's going to be, you know, painful for me, to, for me to not see you every day or... Or for like, or maybe it's like, well, you'd have to drive four hours every day, you know, what um, whatever that is. And there's that. So there's that version. Or I I don't want to get to know you from seventy miles away, let's say. <laughs> um, or I don't want to get to know you from two miles away because I'm afraid that you won't like me and and you'll make a decision that leads you away from me and i can't go through the energetic process of you being, you know, either gone most days of the week or or of just through the energetic process of really liking you and then you deciding that you like me but you're going to choose your career. You like me, but you know there's this thing about me or you like me, but oh, you just realized that you're emotionally unavailable. <laughs> what you know, something is gonna something's gonna cause me to lose you, and some people will have to deal with those sorts of questions in a way that are totally oppressive, uh, psychoemotionally, that is. And other people are gonna deal with those fears in a way that's. That they barely notice, but it's still going to shape how they act. And on the really practical level, this is going to have an effect on how we select, how you know, how we screen through potential partners. Make it make it very plain. You get on a dating um, website and you you string out. You look at let's say a hundred mile radius and. And you start sifting through the visible profiles there, and you say, "Well, gosh, this guy sounds really interesting, but he's eighty miles away, and I don't really know why I even you know why I set it on a hundred. Maybe I should do fifty so you set it on fifty and and then you know you 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 didn't sort geographically, you sorted by match quality whatever and then, then so it's like well eventually you've looked at a guy who's 50 miles away and you've looked at another guy who's 7 miles away and uh, you, you know one of them is close and and one of them has a little more pizzazz in, in him let's just say you you get to know both of them a little bit we're we're letting things like geography come into this question and it's not I don't want to. I don't want to belittle that concern because there's an emotional tie to that concern, which is I'm going to feel more safe. I'm going to feel more comfortable if he's there, if he's with me more, sooner, easier, faster. You know, seven miles is is nothing in a lot of scenarios, right? So, so it it's not that it doesn't matter, but we are screening in some kind of low value ways as well. Because because on the flip side, 50 miles isn't that far. And on the flip side, what are you getting? Okay. So there's more there's more deep ways that these screenings come up is okay, what it what are the traits about this person, aside from the geography that make them low risk? Because we decide sometimes that people are high risk. You know, the example of, well, I don't wanna I don't want to risk our friendship um that's a pretty high intensity filter there but it's not necessarily it's not necessarily well it's not necessarily a good good thing it's not necessarily a good reason and uh a lot of those friendships will end actually shortly after but how about well i like this guy i want i'm i'm okay with being with this guy because he always shows up in this way, and there's never any questions about what this person is. It's just that there isn't much to this person. There's just no surprises, maybe. And therefore, the, the risk is lower. Now, this is one way of approaching this lack of risk um, in order to try to get love. Is it love, though, that we're trying to get? Maybe maybe that is a scenario that more fits the the build a life partner thing, you know, maybe it more hits the, well, the, I have a companion um, than, than love. But part of the problem here may be that we are fooling ourselves into to calling, you know, to think that we're after love and then look for it in a way that's circumventing the risks associated with deep attachment, with deep intimacy, this thing that we're calling love this thing that comes this thing that we call making love that's involved in that okay maybe we're fooling ourselves especially in this sort of example in into believing that what we're what we're that's what we're getting if we're seeking it by way of seeking the simplicity side of things in a you know selecting that is selecting someone because they're simpler lighter etc trying to reduce our risks there's a more general way that this shows up this this idea of avoiding the risks of love without you know while still getting love it's still, like that is it's it's more about the pursuit and so we we put up this filter for how we expect to find someone in the first place how you know how we, how what sort of signs do we need in order to go on a date or any such thing one of the problems with the filters that we might be trying to use you know especially just right here in our in our contemporary times let's say with with dating apps many of us are probably using the little details mm, such as politics to screen through people and that's this is the first time in my life I'm going to call that into question. It's really, really, really necessary that yeah. I mean, at this point, like everybody's so polarized, and not even emotionally necessarily. They're just they're just on polar ends about how things ought to be done, and and so there's just there's no meeting ground. And I think on on those on that topic, right, and to a great extent those. Um, or, or I should say often, I just think a significant amount of time that that value system or just that belief will maybe is what more like it is, is. is kind of a more naked stance politics. A lot of times that is going to be accompanied by some other set of ideas in common across people. So let's, you know, that, that you know, we have the consor- conservative, um, platform, let's say, is, is going to be more associated with a culture of country music, for instance. You will see that one of the things that we're going to lose sight of pretty quickly is our coherence. You know, our our mutual values that that don't fit in there. You hear so much, you know, complaint, for instance, about how polarized everyone is, but we're not giving enough voice to the fact that we are, we still have so much in common, and and as the more that we break down those lines of how who we choose to spend time with based on such a defined like you know, such a factor as politics, the more we are going to lose sight of how much we have in common with those people that we disconnect from. You know, I sit here describing these sorts of things as someone who has so little contact with people you know I have it I have it way better I suppose than a lot of people who've kind of been shuttered in an apartment for the last 18 months or whatever a lot of those people are more willing to engage online than I am Uh, so there's that but I have so little contact with people outside of of my roommate in recent time and my parents and the you know the few people that I go and visit uptown etc. I uh, I don't have a social circle so to speak that that in, that nets a number of people together with me. Um, so I'm looking at this potential. You know, if it's from that vantage point that I'm looking at at, at people breaking apart uh, across across top because of certain. Um, stressful topics that we're going to cease to look at one another in the eye enough as the people that are people that that are you know that we have loved <laughs> but but more more generally that that uh, they're like us they're like us and so I know that's a long tangent here but you come back to this dating app uh, that's say lists a career lists politics lists religion and we forget we forget that we're supposed to be people and you know when you really pay attention to someone you you you're flexible you know <laughs> when you, when you really come to appreciate someone up close you forget that you had all these ideas about what the world ought to be and you just You just want to enjoy them, you know, when you you, let's just say you just let's just make it as simple as watching somebody move. When you are on that level, when you know, when it makes you tingle in the back of your neck to think about how familiar you are with someone's walk and and that it feels you can feel it, (laughs) you can feel their walk and they feel like part of you when you treasure somebody that much, that's love. And that's the sort of thing that's impossible when we look at each other through these lenses. And we look at ourselves through, we look at ourselves through these lenses, pardon me, I got a phone call from some number I don't recognize, perfect timing. We look at ourselves through these lenses of, I look at the world this way. And it's like, yeah, if we're going if we're going to approach the world this way, then that's totally relevant and And more than that, we build worlds out of these perspectives, and so in order to relate to someone, you know, in order to check on each other's sanity, right we we have to share the the common narrative. and like that, that's I'm not discounting the value of that, obviously, that's something that I talk about a lot. But what I'm saying is we get lost we're lost right now in in how separate we are from looking at each other just as people we're looking at each other going oh we can't communicate you may have two different belief systems it's true it may it may very well be true you can't communicate you're living in two different worlds you know a bunch of people think that the literal reality of a given subject is the opposite of what a whole, the you know the the physical real reality of, of another group of people think it is about the same subject that's that's almost impenetrable it is so difficult and, and 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 then once those people are aware of that other group one of the only ways to justify that is to call the other group crazy well now they've been removed rung from just people okay under that crazy circumstance right there's like well there's, there's people there's normal people and then there's crazy people and then there's mentally retarded people and you know that's we're not all you know we're not all on the same level. It's like oh well you know so that's that's the sort of vein that we're in. Is this a long long ways from this topic of of having skin in the game of love? Yes, uh, it's where it's where I've it's where I've felt that I needed to go and that is is one of the beauties of this show. Hopefully. But it's, I found it's highly, highly relevant because we are at enormous risk of trying to get involved with someone who doesn't share our, our common stories, our core narratives. And that removes mm, half. For most people, it removes half of the population. And for some people, it removes 90%. Of the population, for some people, it removes ninety nine percent of the population. Imagine that, you know, because their core narratives are so um, so rare. You know, imagine imagine uh, being twenty and and then fro- cryogenically frozen twenty five hundred years ago, and then and then you come out um, in a different place in the world in, let's say, uh, 13th century. And, and you came from a very particular culture that was fairly isolated geographically. And, and you just decided that your best choice was to try to fit in to the world you had, you know, try to find a spouse and move on, you know, keep your head down. That could be impossible because of the cultural differences, If, if you if you couldn't shake the culture. And the thing is, that would be far more achievable than the circumstance we find ourselves in now. Because back in that time, in such times, we were far closer to looking at one another as if we're the same species, even though we had different value systems, different different philosophies. I really, really think that that is, I think that there's more reality to what I've just described than then is acknowledged. And what does that have to do with avoiding the risk of relationships? It got a long ways from where I, you know, stepped off of that train. I'm not sure. I had it. I, I almost had it there for a moment, uh, two, or three minutes ago, but it didn't quite fall into place. Just, I think it's it's very much parallel though, to to the problem that I was trying to discuss is that We've grown apart from looking at each other as humans. I mean, feeling one another as humans. And, and there's something, that there is some sort of parallel there with, with seeking love without the risk of rejection. And I think that's a good point. That's a good opening, turning point for me to, to focus on is, is the rejection side of it. Is we want to know right now that this will work. I think that's what we're acting out. A lot of us are, a lot of us are just don't maybe just don't know it. Maybe a lot of us feel really comfortable going on a first date. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Let's get right at it. Let's go on this first date, and it's no big deal. Yeah, of course I'll go kayaking on first date. This is how I am. You know, I, I go kayaking, and I'm not nervous about this at all. <laughs> okay, I'm a little bit nervous, but whatever. And um, I, I can see a bit of a avoidance there. I know it in me. I mean, I just think that I'm I'm way more particular, and I'm I'm minding my own narratives as well, and I and I am because I'm seeing how difficult it is to bridge them. Um, uh, you know, to to bridge different realities. You know, looking at it that way, it's like, yeah, I I literally think that the facts of this important subject are totally opposite of what you think the facts are. That is. That is a totally under-articulated, under-studied problem. It's one that I've tried, you know, obviously I'm bringing here. That is, um, that's probably my number one challenge in trying to uh, meet women, is that I know that it that I'm I'm having to bring, for 99.99% of women that I could meet, I'm bringing in Something that is upside down compared to their reality. And and even if they think they don't really care, even if they what they really want is, is me, and they're looking right at me, going, this guy is kind. This guy is strong and respectful and responsible and loving. Even if they're looking right at that, they're going, okay. It bothers me that this person isn't in my reality with me. And I'm doing the same, going, well, I don't really feel known. You you want to set all this aside as if it doesn't matter. And it's defined me. You don't know me if you just want to set all that shit aside. So, I'm, you know, I'm speaking, speaking right from the heart here. It's not a position I necessarily want to be in. I think I don't want to be in it. But I'm trying to make the case here that... It's a risk I'm willing to take that I will try to figure this out. I will try, try to meet someone where they are because we could build a life together and it would be great because wouldn't it be great to be in love with the way someone moves? Wouldn't it be great to appreciate the ways in which they're awkward and the ways in which they're spectacular, the ways that they don't know that? Wouldn't it be great to do that? Well, I'm going to risk the possibility that it shatters me in order to to try to get to that point. I'm going to risk the possibility that I get to that point, we get to that point and that I end up shattered still. Because I knew it was going to be hard. You see that's the thing is 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 part of what we're projecting in this in this fear of the risk is the point where it's good and then and, and then the point where it's bad. It's like the, the reward is on the left and the and the risk is on the right and, and we're kind of forgetting that there there's a space in between and and that there's you know call it a call it a bridge and on that bridge the two of you get to decide which direction you're moving you know because maybe you move away from reward and you start to hate each other whatever heart it doesn't have to be hate to start to doubt one another you too have the ability to turn back around to reward and you too also have the ability to move toward risk together You know, move to or you know calling at the risk move toward rejecting one another you can move towards it together or you can do it separately and this and the separately thing is the one that really gets everybody right is You'd rather you you'd rather just realize one day, woke up and realize one day that you that you despise your partner, <laughs> but um, you really don't want to be on the other end of that, and and waking up finding out that you've been in love and the other person hasn't. Well, it seems like a really good way for that other person to get to that point is to have sought safety in the first place. Okay, so so what that person reached. Was not was not love in the sense that we really want it. You know, yeah, I get it. There's six different um, kinds of love according to Aristotle, and and we kind of maybe use three meanings of love every day. And so, don't get too caught up there. I'm guess what I'm talking about is when we when we say oh, that's what we want it. We want it when we we're really talking about being in love. We're talking about something that it, that we uh, we feel like we are immersed in. We're in love because it's like it's a warm water, you know, lapping against us. It's a sensation that envelops us. And I think that's what we all really, really want. It's like a womb. And I'm not even saying that it, you got to feel it monogamously, but you've you really want to feel it. You know, it's, it's like I described in a, a prior episode to do with sex and evolution and pleasure. It's, it's, it's that level. That's the way you want to feel yourself immersed in another person's life. That's the connection that we're looking for. And you can't get it by playing it safe. There's a bunch of other ways you can't get it, but you can't get it by playing it safe. You you'll, you know, you come to a state of misery. And maybe misery is okay. Maybe blandness is okay. But for those of us who really crave connection, intimacy, excellence of relationship on this earth, you know, that, that sort of blandness will never be enough. You can't get it by playing it safe. People are trying to play it safe in different ways. It doesn't really matter which way that you're trying to play it. You know, what you're going to attract is gonna be some some false version of what you think you you know of what you're seeking. It's gonna come with a bunch of the attributes so it's gonna make it look like love for a while, but it's gonna turn on you. And um, you know, and and a big part of this failure to come together is is not doing the work up front to be someone who can be so present that they can make the steps, um, that they can be love-seeking rather than rejection-fearing. And and they got to be that because that's what you have to be in order to be receptive to someone. You know, you have to be, you have to put aside the fear that they will leave you in order to be truly inquisitive about who they are. I'm, You know, the thought just ran through my mind that any two people could fall into the sort of chaos that I've been describing here. (laughs) Uh, Harmony (laughs) slash chaos. (laughs) But any two people could do it. You know, if they'd been humming through the uh, things that I've been pointing out here, they might realize, oh, I want to be so open. I want to be so, so open to love that just anybody I bump into, I could, uh, I could be, we could sweep each other away, you know, that I look at them and they look at me and, and that's it, you know, and we sit down and we just start staring each other in the eyes. Oh my, you know, and how just talking about this makes me realize how closed off I am because parallel but, you know, par- parallel to not being at all at at all open to that sort of scenario, um, I'm also just kind of closed off to a lot of different conversations, uh, or I get, I don't know, not that I'm closed off to generally being um, in into into conversation with with people because it's hard to bridge that that reality gap, and so. I'm I'm kind of closed off to certain domains uh, of being genuine within them. I think is is one way of describing it. So, I'm 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 very happy to discuss regenerative agriculture in in the in the finest and and most idyllic detail and 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 emotionally do that as well. If if I feel like that's if i feel it in that moment i'm willing to do that but there's other domains that i'm just like no, no we're not let's not touch politics <laughs> you know and and that that shuts off our shuts off our willingness to engage with anyone and you know that again i think that ties back into this risk of rejection element it's like well no pardon me it's the other it's the other it's not rejection it's the risk of failure, you know, it's, it's a, it's a really, it's a, can, it can be a really dragging thing on me to, to acknowledge the ways that I failed to be attentive to someone. It's like, man, you know, I, yeah, I really thought I wanted you in my life, or I really think that. And, and I was so happy to spend time together that I didn't focus enough on how to really pay attention, like how, how to, to, to attend to your needs, to attend to your emotional needs. Yeah, it, I mean, it really puts me through the ringer to go, oh man, you know, here I thought I was this supportive person and I'm just not watching closely enough. Had didn't, you know, we're missing out on that in general, in general, in our relationships. We're not watching close enough other people. And that in itself, is a dreadful thing to recognize and we don't want to be failures in relationship you know one of the things is like oh well I mean you know two-thirds of everybody you know is is with somebody uh, gosh you know then I'll be the failure I'll be the 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 failure who didn't keep up the relationship they had or I'll you know and it's like well you're already <laughs> we forget that we we're already failures you know a single people um to some extent right so like we it's not that we've i mean we've certainly failed at something um no matter no matter where we are in our in our dating history we've certainly failed at something if if it's what we want is to be is to be with someone I mean, we've certainly failed at something if we're not and and even uh if we never have been with anyone we've certainly you know we've failed at something so I think that's that's a that that's another fear to be recognized there is like I don't want to risk the failure, and so I'm doing everything I can to try to uh, sift out who's most likely to be a failure. who Who am I most likely to fail with? And again, I think we're we're just likely to do make those sorts of filters that we don't know, don't notice that we're filtering. we're We're over filtering with low priority junk and and one of the things that we need to do most is to just filter out our own fear and go okay how much do i want this oh you mean this is like the about the most important thing that's gonna play a role in my life oh well then i guess i want this more than anything it's gonna this is gonna play the ultimate role of satisfaction and happiness in my life i should be prior prioritizing this above everything and so That includes fear. That means that I must figure out which of my filters is generated because it's because of fear. Generated from fear, but we tell ourselves it's rational. Tell ourselves, no, no, 50, you know, beyond 50 miles is, you know, obviously the difference between 50 and 51 is nothing. But the, the, uh, the stories that we tell ourselves make it very can, can make it very um, much something and and those stories are what become our emotions our stories become fear in some cases and there we are so i, I we're we're grappling with so much more than we're aware of than we're conscious of factoring in so much more and um, this this episode says very little. I mean, this this second uh, two thirds so far is saying very little about the the fear that is coming into the relationships that we've already started. You know, so I talked about marriage as an example. You know, marriage would be the fear of marriage would be the fear of somehow ruining. Is it you know? Is it more than what I talked about? Like the fear of marriage is based on the fear that it will end. So is like, is the fair, you know, and when you already, when you have an established long-term relationship is, uh, hmm, there's a whole other set of fears that could come in. It's like, is somehow marriage going to ruin this situation for me? Like I already have, I already have the long-term partner. We've already been together for six years. We've already lived together for years. Maybe we, you know, we already have two children. Is somehow marriage which we which we acknowledge as do, or maybe we don't acknowledge it, as a big commitment. I think that's part of it is that we're not acknowledging it. We're we're trying to fade out the you know that that it's a commitment. Where we're talking about the legal issues and going and you know kind of pretending as if the legal matter weren't a way to demonstrate the commitment. And and so instead we're keeping up this other non-officially committed committed relationship and kind of fooling ourselves out of the idea that 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 doesn't matter that we weren't willing to go that extra step that we weren't willing to commit and make it harder. Jordan, Jordan Peterson has talked about this he's talking you know, he, uh, in terms of pretty simply, is it living together? Is it is it really is it really just about the need you that you don't need to marry somebody? Or is it about the, an attitude of, I can just get rid of you. I can just get rid of you. And so the, what maps on there, you know, with what I, what, what, if, if what I'm saying maps on to that, we, we have a fear of commitment, possibly, based on a fear that that commitment will fail, that we won't be able to keep it up. I'm finding it hard to tell whether this is kind of groundbreaking at all i It's it's coming out in a way that I'm I'm very calm. Unearthing it to myself. I'm just wondering if I'm really unearthing it in general. Nevertheless, I am. I'm thinking that, that these are important questions. Um, this recording, this has been really um, personally useful. So I think I'm going to head towards a close here and 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 bring in Nassim Taleb and his book Skin in the Game. And an essential argument of the book is that, that people need to be at risk for their own rewards, you know, their own connected rewards. And that, they, that to, in order to structure a fair society, that, that needs to be the case. And it can't be the case that some people put others at risk the rewards that those some people aim to gain and you know he the um the book is subtitled hidden asymmetries of life and it has a lot to do with that with that idea of of some putting others at risk for some's personal gain but i was thinking about asymmetry in terms of of trying to outsize your gain by eliminating your risk. And and it's it's just that this this skin in the game concept really strips away at what I I felt was going on or what I'm seeing is is the reluctancy to risk in order to get what we want in love. And it's like if you're trying to create that asymmetry that's not natural, you can't get the outcome that you want. Because this is not a this is not a game that you can manipulate that way. Like you know, some people have cause and effect upside down. Some people are in a mental state that they you know they will seek the what what they're gonna what they're gonna call love. Um, let's just let's just call that sex as an example. They're gonna call they're gonna go seek sex and get sex and tell themselves that that's love in some way and they're going to they're going to not actually get love though you know they're not going to be loved and they're not going to love they're not going to have this ultimately fulfilling fiery womb experience but perhaps for a few minutes in the form of this physical you know narrow physical sensation um, it's, but it's not love, okay? And they're, and they're doing it by removing the risk, though, by, let's say, not getting to know that person. Maybe, you, know, this, you know, think of your one-night-stand examples. Boom. I don't actually have to be emotionally involved with this person. I might not even know their name, right? <laughs> Morning comes, I don't even know their name. I just know I'm fooling myself into thinking that I'm loved. I don't even know that. I'm not even conscious of that. But I've, I've had the effects of love without, without going through the means. And because I went without with the means, I didn't have to risk, or at least, I, I'm, at least I'm maybe fooling myself that I don't have to risk having my heart broken, having them find out that they really don't like me, having them find out that I'm not going to try hard enough, or, you know, or finding out that I failed. I've failed to be attentive. You, you, can't, you can't get there. You, you can't make it into something good or something great or something un-freaking-believable without risking that you will fail at trying, that you will be rejected, or that you won't be good enough. You just won't do a good enough job of, you know, you might be great, you might really be accepted, but you just might not do a good enough job. And, you know, there's other elements to to, uh, to fear as well. You know, some people are just—they just—they're gonna know that they're gonna be torn apart by what happens. Um, maybe in the midst of a long-term committed relationship, someone—one—one one of them has a hardship, and then they—they fall into a great depression, and—and um, and it changes who they are, and you don't stop loving them, but it—it's gonna take maybe you think too much. Too much to hang on. I don't know. Do I? Those are things that are on the line, and I think those are going to occur more and more and more for for the various breadth of potential reasons that I've kind of scanned across here. But they don't have to. They don't have to happen. You know, we can put our energy and our yeah. So we can focus our energy toward excelling. If excellence is what we want. We are our, our our very vision will be shaped toward how we can do better. You know, we'll, be, we'll be looking for, for, for the negative space in, in, in what we have that reveals what could be in, in a positive sense. And we'll, and we'll drop some of our fear about failing to make it more and um, things of that nature. And you know, we'll start to, to look at everyone anew. This goes well beyond romantic relationships. When we when we start to look at risk reward and embrace the symmetry, it's like heartbroken. I know that. I don't. I know that. Do I know the intensity on the opposite pole, though? Do I know the same intensity of heartbreak on the opposite end? Do I know just what it would feel like to really really love someone? Another breakthrough that I have had in the past week is. I just want to share real quickly is the tremendous relevance of the adage or, or, or quote, I don't know to whom to attribute, seek first to understand before seeking to be understood. And I think that I would amend that to seek first to understand. And then I would re-amend that, let that process play out, cross them out, and then, you know, and then cross out word in the next line which is is to say seek to understand and and the kind of the in parentheses there the you know the subtext is in seeking to understand you will be found understood that's uh, a bit of a turn there but I think potentially good advice for how to solve some of the problem of this episode I wish you a wonderful weekend thank you for your time and your attention. Farewell. Okay, here we go.